This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to the Oncology Knowledge into Practice podcast, where we discuss game-changing topics in clinical oncology with leading experts in the field. In this series, we're focusing on the ever-changing treatment landscape for cancers of the hematological system. This series is supported by educational grants from Servier Pharmaceuticals, LLC, and Takeda, who have had no influence on the content or choice of faculty. If you'd like to check out any of the publications that we mention in this episode, there's references and links for these in the episode notes. We're your hosts, Hannah Wilgar and Andre Grasso. Before the Christmas break, we were looking at how to manage adverse events in patients with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or ALL. Today, we're changing our focus to think about a related cancer, acute myeloid leukemia, or AML. To start us off, we're going to look to the future, focusing on novel treatments under investigation in what has recently become a rapidly evolving field. To answer our questions on this topic, we've invited Dr. Naval Dava, Associate Professor in the Department of Leukemia at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. Before we jump into the interview, we're going to spend a few minutes discussing some example novel therapies in AML. However, if you would like to skip ahead to the interview, do feel free to do so at the five-minute mark. Several targeted therapies have recently been approved, including inhibitors of IDH and FLT3, and there are over 300 drugs in ongoing phase 2 or 3 clinical trials registered on clinicaltrials.gov. Here we will consider a few examples of two strategies that are currently less employed in AML, small molecule drugs and immunotherapies. One target for small molecule drugs is tumor suppressor gene P53, which is inactivated in almost all subsets of acute myeloid leukemia. MDM2 and MDM4 are proteins that inhibit P53, and so it is postulated that their inhibition could reactivate P53 and its tumor suppressor functions. Currently, multiple P53 MDM2-MDM4 antagonists are undergoing clinical trials, the most advanced being the small molecule Idesunutlin. Idesunutlin saw a 25% complete response rate when used in combination with chemotherapy in its multicenter open-label phase 1-1b dose escalation study as published by Yi and colleagues. As a result, it is now being studied in a phase 3 trial, MIRRORS in patients with relapsed or refractory acute myeloid leukemia. Another small molecule is pevanetistat, which is currently being investigated in a phase 3 trial. As summarized by Swords and colleagues in 2018, it is a first-in-class inhibitor of the NEDD8 activating enzyme, or NAE, which is involved in cell functions such as cell division. A phase 2 study was recently presented at ASCO 2020 by Dr. Lionel Aders, which evaluated pevanedistat in AML and myelodysplastic syndrome, or MDS. In the trial, pevanedistat plus azacitidine gave a median event-free survival of 21 months compared to 16.6 months with azacitidine alone, with a hazard ratio of 0.67 and a p-value approaching significance at 0.076. It is also now being studied in a phase 3 trial in the same population. Euprolesilin is another example of a small molecule. It inhibits E-selectin, a protein which otherwise helps cancer cells in the bone marrow escape from chemotherapy. Results from phase 1-2 trials in of euprolesilin plus MEC salvage chemotherapy in AML patients were published by D'Angelo and colleagues in 2017. The combined overall response rate for the two single-arm trials was 50%, including 41% complete responders. 
The FDA has since granted euprolesilin breakthrough therapy and fast-track designation, and the drug is being investigated in a phase 3 trial in adults with relapse-slash-refractory AML who are considered to be medically eligible to receive intensive chemotherapy. In terms of immunotherapy, immune checkpoint inhibitors are a class of drugs that modulate the immune system to prevent immune suppression in tumor microenvironments. As summarized by Stahl and colleagues, they have dramatically changed the therapeutic landscape of solid malignancies. However, their success in AML has been modest to date. Still, combination options may be more promising. Results from one single-arm phase 2 study combining one of these drugs, nivolumab, with chemotherapy in patients with AML or myelodysplastic syndrome were published by Rivandi and colleagues at the end of 2019. As a secondary endpoint, the median overall survival was 18 and a half months. Finally, CD19-specific chimeric antigen receptor, or CAR, T-cell therapies are another immunotherapy strategy under investigation. These interventions involve extracting a patient's T-cells, altering them to feature specific receptors for leukemia cell antigens, and then infusing these T-cells back into the patient's blood. However, as summarized by Hoffman and colleagues in 2019, for AML, identification of a good target antigen has proven difficult, although several trials are ongoing. With so many novel agents under investigation for AML patients, it's hard to know where to start. Which strategies will actually translate into benefit, and in what situations? To get an expert's insight on this topic, we've invited Naval Dava, Associate Professor in the Department of Leukemia at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. Thank you for joining us today. So which of the therapies in development for AML do you believe have the most significant safety and efficacy results? There are a number of uh, different therapies in development for the treatment of acute myeloid leukemia. These include targeted therapies, FLT3 inhibitors, IDH inhibitors, immune-based therapies, antibody drug conjugates, bispecific antibodies, and different immune checkpoints, and uh, more recently, CAR T-cells. Of these, uh, among the ones that were recently approved in the last two years, I think the two most impactful ones are the BCL2 inhibitor venetoclax, which in combination with hypomethylating agents such as azacitine decidabine has shown dramatic response rates in older AML who are not good candidates for intensive chemotherapy. Uh, this uh, is the first time we have had response rates in the range of 70 to 80% in older AML unfit for induction chemotherapy with two and three year survivals of 40% or more. So this is probably the most important major breakthrough in AML therapy that has occurred in the last three to four years. Uh, along with this, I think the other area where we've seen major progress and improvement in outcomes is with targeted therapies. And this includes two large groups of targeted agents, uh, FLT3 inhibitors, including drugs like giltritinib, mitostorin, quisartinib, sorofenib, and cronolinib, and IDH inhibitors such as enositinib, ivocitinib. And with the incorporation of FLT3 inhibitors, both in frontline AML as well as in relapsed AML with FLT3 mutation, we are showing improvement in overall survival. And I think moving the second generation FLT3 inhibitors such as giltritinib, quisartinib, from the relapse space where they're currently approved to the frontline space and combining them either with the azacitine venetoclax backbone or with the anthracycline cytarabine induction backbone is going to further dramatically improve the outcomes for FLT3 mutated. Similarly, IDH inhibitors have now been approved, both IDH1 and IDH2 inhibitors in relapse refractory AML, but we again are seeing that we combine them frontline either with azacitidine or with azacitine venetoclax or with induction chemo 
this seems to be where they have the maximum impact in improving long-term survival, and those trials are ongoing. And among the recent drugs, there are specifically two that um, we're quite excited about at MD Anderson. One is a drug called megrolumab, which is a form of immune therapy that works not on T cells like most other immune therapies, but on macrophages and unleashes the macrophage by producing an eat me signal that results in uh, eating the cancer cells and destruction of cancer cells. And the megrolumab in combination with azacitidine and frontline AML is showing very good response rates. And most importantly to me, really good safety without prolonged neutropenia, thrombocytopenia that we see with azacitidine, venetoclax, and other drugs, suggesting this could be a great drug to evaluate in triplets of azacitidine, venetoclax, megrolumab, or chemotherapy with megrolumab. And this agent is being evaluated in multiple MDS AML spaces. And then the last drug is a CD123 antibody called cusatuzumab, which has also shown early high efficacy in combination with azacitidine frontline setting and is now being evaluated in a triplet of azacitidine, venetoclax, cusatuzumab. So I think all in all, a lot of active uh, drugs recently approved or uh, being evaluated and uh, the future is hopefully very bright for AML therapy. Wonderful, thank you. And which patients have the greatest need for novel therapeutic options in AML? Among the patients with greatest unmet need in acute myeloid leukemia, I would say there are three major uh, buckets. Uh, the first one is uh, patients who have a TP53 mutation with or without associated adverse or complex cytogenetics. This is probably, in my opinion, the most uh, unmet need population in acute myeloid leukemia, both in the frontline setting, in younger and older AML, and in the relapse setting. Uh, to put this in perspective, historically, the response rates with therapy, such as high-dose cytarabine anthracycline therapy in TP53 mutated AML, has been about 40 to 50% uh, CR rates. And with newer drugs like azacitidine menetoclax, we were very excited because initially we thought this could be a great approach uh, and a solution for TP53 ML. But now with the three recent data sets from the phase 1B study, from the randomized phase 3 Viale study, and from the MD Anderson DACVEN study, we're seeing that although response rates are encouraging 50 to 60% with azacitidine menetoclax in TP53 ML, the median survival, unfortunately, is quite depressing at between five to six months. In fact, some argue that it is not improved over the cytobine alone. So we are now looking at uh, two different approaches, target TP53. One is with a drug called megrolumab, which activates a CD47 pathways, resulting in macrophage uh, increased activity and phagocytosis against the tumor cells. And this drug, in combination with azacitidine, has shown very encouraging early response rates and survival in TP53 mutated AML. And the other approach is by using different immune therapies, whether these are bispecific antibodies such as flotituzumab, which has shown early signal of single agent activity in relapsed TP53 AML presented at ASH 2020 this year, or with other bispecific antibodies such as AMG330, XMAB, and then CAR T cells also will be evaluated in this space. So that's number one unmet need. The second big unmet need is population of relapsed refractory AML, especially those who do not have a targetable mutation, such as FLT3 ITD mutations or the IDH mutation. And this population 
so far, unfortunately, we do not have huge breakthroughs here. Again, we're turning heavily to immunotherapy in the form of bispecific antibodies, CAR T cells, immune checkpoints, and we are starting to see some signals of activity with the bispecific antibodies, especially, and hoping that one or more of these could be a good approach for relapse AML. And I personally am also excited about the prospect of developing CAR T cells in relapsed AML, but I think that is going to take a few more years before it becomes clinical crime time. And then the last area is what we call minimal residual disease or MRD. So these are patients who have a good marrow remission, achieve a complete remission or complete remission with insufficient count recovery, but do have low level residual disease. And we know those patients will relapse 60 to 70% of them within the next three to four years. And so we do need strategies to target MRD here we're looking at different approaches, either targeted therapy combinations, such as girtritinib, IDH-based therapies, menin inhibitors to target MRD, and also, again, looking at potentially the approach of immunotherapies, T-cell enhancing strategies to target MRD. So I think these are the three major unmet need areas, and there's a huge amount of research effort uh, going into all three of them at this time. Brilliant. Thank you for that. So how do you see novel agents being used in the AML treatment landscape? For example, will small molecule agents like pevanetostat be offered in combination with chemotherapy and stem cell transplant? And where may immunotherapies like CAR T-cell therapy be offered? The novel therapies in AML initially are always developed in the relapse refractory AML, and this is mainly because of safety concern. Um, the FDA, as well as investigators such as myself, uh, have a high concern of introducing any novel treatment in the frontline space, uh, especially uh, agents such as immunotherapies, which can have some uh, unexpected and occasionally severe side effects. Uh, and so usually we will develop these in the relapse refractory AML space, but now we're also considering some of these, especially CAR T cells and bispecifics in what we call MRD positive, minimal residual disease positive setting, where patients have had a initial response to the induction high-dose intensive therapy or to azacitine minetoclax type of therapy, but still have residual disease. And we know that these patients often behave as poorly as a true relapse AML. And so these are the two major areas where we're applying uh, these novel therapies. The other approach is to combine them with the new standard backbone for older AML, which is azacitine minetoclax. And at MD Anderson, this is probably our largest research effort in the last two years and continuing hopefully in the next few years is to develop triplets of azacitine minetoclax with targeted therapies like IDH1, IDH2 inhibitors, like FLT3 inhibitors, giltritinib, quizartinib, uh, azacitine minetoclax combined with other emerging novel drugs like pevonidostat or CD47 antibody megrolumab or CD123 antibody Pusatuzumab. And we do appreciate that when we do these triplets, we are going to have increased myelosuppression, neutropenia, as well as concern for safety. However, we also know that these will likely significantly improve the efficacy. And the hope is to get the two-year survival with azavinetoclax, which is currently 35-40%, up to 70-80%. So there's a lot of effort on optimizing the dosing, the duration of venetoclax and the other drugs, giving interruptions, using growth factors, uh, but we think this will be an important way to develop new therapies in addition to developing them in the relapse refractory and the MRD positive space. Great, thank you. So finally, what advice would you give to our listeners when discussing future prospects with their current AML patients? 
my major advice would be to uh, look at what is available uh, nationally, especially at very large academic centers that are running multiple clinical trials. Uh, the field is moving very, very, very quickly. And, and, you know, this is not something I would have said seven, eight years ago, where, of course, things were happening, but the uh, speed of progress and improvement in outcomes was not happening on an annual or every two-year basis, which is happening now. So the point really is that uh, many times patients uh, believe or physicians treating patients in community or smaller academic centers uh, believe there may not be options out there. And in fact, many times there are options because uh, today there are about three times more clinical trials in the U.S. for AML than there were eight or nine years ago. So really there are many, many options and every month new CAR T cells, new bispecific antibodies, new combinations are opening. So I would say, you know, uh, clinicaltrials.gov, Leukemia Lymphoma Society, doing your own research is quite important. Uh, and I think the most important thing is to refer patients for clinical trials. And this is not just because we want to have patients coming to large academic centers, uh, but also really because this is how we will be able to validate and prove or disprove whether a particular therapy is effective. And more importantly, as we combine these drugs uh, from doublets to triplets and sequential approaches, we really do need to put a lot of patients on trial so we can get that information within two to three years and not eight to 10 years. And we have, for example, MD Anderson frontline trial for every single scenario, FLT3 mutated, IDH mutated, TP53, MLL rearranged, older, younger. Uh, and I'm sure this is the same at many large academic centers. So I would say a better collaboration with your academic center, AML, KOLs, looking for options that may be there uh, and one may just not be aware of because they open so quickly and uh, trying to get more and more patients on clinical trials to move the field forward two to three times faster than it would have otherwise happened are probably the key messages I have. So thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. Naval Dabba. Um, yeah, it's been really a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. It's uh, been a pleasure for me to speak to you and I hope uh, the listeners find this information useful. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. To recap on the key points we've discussed, the rate of progress in AML treatment development has increased rapidly in recent years, with novel agents such as Benediclax, FLP3 inhibitors and IDH inhibitors already having an impressive impact. With hundreds more trials ongoing, including those exploring triplet therapies, survival rates are likely to improve even further, so it's essential to explore novel options, collaborate with research centres, and refer patients to clinical trials where appropriate to help these benefits be realised. Again, if you'd like to check out any of the publications that we've mentioned today, you'll find references for these in the episode notes. For the next episode in our Haematological Cancer series, we'll be looking at the current best practice approaches in managing patients with AML. If you enjoyed today, please do subscribe and join us then. And if you have time to leave us a review, we'd love to hear your feedback. If you want more, you can also find free accredited continuing medical education modules on our website, onkip.com. And you can find a link to this in the episode notes. So please do check it out. If you're a Twitter fan, our handle is at onkip. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.